All right, grab your Bibles. Turn with me to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 18 is where we are. Revelation 18 is where we are. And first service, we made it down through verse 4. I was attempting to get to verse 8. Did not work out, making no promises through this. But um, we need to get moving here. So <laughs> looking at the clock. Uh, so if you're there with me, Revelation chapter 18, verse 1, please say amen. After these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having, a, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of her fornication, a wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, and lest you receive of her plagues. For her sins have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Render to her just as she rendered to you and repay her double according to her works in the cup, which she has mixed, mixed double for her in the measure that she has glorified herself and lives, lived luxuriously in the same measure. Give her torment and sorrow for she says in her heart, I sit as queen and I am no widow and will not see sorrow. Therefore, her plagues will come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judges her. And so, Father, thank you for today. I pray that you would redeem the time, that you would speak to us, Lord, by your spirit, that you would remove all the things that would hinder the cares of this world, the burdens of this life, the distractions of the room or anything of that sort, Lord God, and that you would speak by your spirit directly into our hearts, bringing both encouraging uh, instruction or even rebuke that we may grow and be uh, conformed to your image and fit for the days that we live in. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So it's been a few weeks since we were together. Um, we concluded chapter 17 last time. And um, as we begin to go into chapter 18, obviously we're seeing the destruction of Babylon, right? Right? Okay, we got to interact a little bit. And um, that is a destruction that's highlighted throughout the Bible, Old Testament and New. Jeremiah, Isaiah um, speaks of it as well as here. Other, other prophets of the Old Testament as well as here in the book of Revelation. Um, and so it is a big issue within Scripture that God keeps bringing up. Okay, and as I told you in times past, chapter 17 and 18 have kind of a parenthetical feel to them as what's happening now is we're seeing greater detail of the specific destruction of what Babylon is that is happening throughout the tribulation period. So uh, Babylon comes into play. A lot of things we saw in chapter 17 comes into play um, in the first part of the tribulation, and then it's destroyed towards the end. So in uh, Revelation chapter 6 through 16, we see the tribulation period. And so now we're going back and looking at greater detail and it gets complicated a lot of times as, as scholars try to break this down because you, you hear about the uh, religious Babylon and you hear about the commercial Babylon and you're, we're always trying to figure out how all of that fits together. Anybody ever been in that situation? You're trying to figure it out. The two are intertwined is what's happening 
and go hand in hand. Let's remember before we dive into chapter 18, let's remember the picture that was painted for us in chapter 17 to give us kind of a visual of what this looks like. You remember in chapter 17, we saw two major things, okay? We saw a woman. How many of you remember the woman, right? This woman was clothed in purple. Y'all remember that, right? Okay, which kind of speaks of her being intertwined in this system because purple always talks about uh, you know, wealth and, and, uh, and, and, and luxuriousness, if you will, because as we see purple in Scripture, purple is a luxury item. Remember in the book of Acts when Paul landed in Philippi, and in Philippi he met a woman named Lydia who was leading a prayer group down by the river. She was a seller of purple. Y'all remember that? And we talked about in the book of Acts how um, the process of making purple is extensive and uh, and expensive as well. And so people who could afford purple, it's it's a color of royalty, but it speaks of them having a lot of wealth. Does that make sense? And that's good because of what she represents. She had a cup in her hand. It was a golden cup, which speaks of purity, but in it was abominations. Why? Because she is a harlot. She is a woman. She is the mother of harlots, we saw, and all abominations. She is the originator of all of those things. She is a prostitute, if you will, but she's not a street prostitute. She's a high-end, high-level in the sense of that she deals with or is entangled with the nations and the kings of the earth. She literally is a system that appears to be a pure religious system, but is a system that is false and leading people astray, which originated in Babel, as we've talked about. And we can't get into all of that today. Now, the other side of this thing was the woman was riding on a beast. Y'all remember that? Okay. And the beast was given to us in kind of a twofold way. On one hand, the beast has seven heads and represents a government system. And in fact, all of the government system by which Satan has manipulated and worked through in order to enslave people to his system, in order to lead people into false worship, and in order to persecute the people of God. And he's done that through these uh, uh, world government systems that makes up the beast. And so whether it was Egypt or Syria or Babylon or Persia or Greece or Rome the first time uh, Rome was a, a, a superpower, these were were governmental systems in which Satan worked behind, Satan's the dragon, in order to accomplish these things which we can see throughout time. And so we, we know and we understand that. In fact, what Satan desires is to be worshipped. And we see that when he showed up and tempted Jesus in uh, the, gar- uh, the uh, wilderness. Y'all remember that, right? He says, hey, if you fall down and worship me, I'll give you all of these kingdoms. And so Satan has manipulated behind the scenes of these kingdoms. And this is what we have to remember. The other side of this beast is he seems to be a personality. And this is why we struggle sometimes with interpretation, because when we go to him being a personality, we like to focus on the human element that is the beast. And we get we get in the weeds trying to figure out which one of these kings was the beast. And we talk about Nero and Augustus and, you know, we got Nebuchadnezzar and we get in all of these guys. The problem is in each one of these kingdoms, there's multiple guys over time that fit that bill. And I think the issue is that it's really the, the spirit behind the human element. That's the real issue through all of these times and through all of these kingdoms. And that's what I want to remind you of, because what happens is as we move towards the final 
uh, world superpower, which will be the global government that will make up the final part of the beast to be the seventh head. It's going to be so much deception in the world. The scriptures seem to tell us that it's going to be so bad that anyone even the elect would be fooled, and God is going to give the world over to it, and the world is going to be headed in that direction as it leads up to that final hour. And you might say, man, it sounds so crazy. Could it be? And I would say to you, absolutely. If it's one thing that we know now over the past 12 months is that deception is a growing thing, and it's so thick in the air, you can actually feel it. And it doesn't matter if truth is right in the people's face. It has no meaning. It doesn't matter. And that's the time that we're currently living in. And so Satan works behind the scenes. And this is where we can struggle. And this is going to come out, I think, today. And I want to remind you right up front. I'm going to jump even ahead. When we begin to see things, we got to understand that behind these things, these, these, these world empires, this forming global empire that's coming, Satan is manipulating even this past uh, week, last week on uh, January 4th, and I, I shared this on Wednesday night, on January 4th, as I'm on my way on vacation, we have the chaplain for the United States Congress as they're bringing in the 117th Congress, and the chaplain in his opening prayer concludes the prayer to, and I had to play it over and over to make sure I was hearing what it sounded like I was hearing. He's with the United Methodist Church, so you would think he would end well, well, you know, but you would think he would end with in Jesus name, but he ended in the name of Brahma, which is a Hindu God. And then he said, a man and a woman. Yeah, y'all got to y'all got to look this stuff up now. I won't get into all of that. I, I bring it up just to say this. OK, so we know from an Old Testament perspective that and even Paul in the New Testament says that when you offer worship to idols, you're actually worshiping demons. So what that means is that the, the chaplain, if you will, for the United States Congress prays in the name of a demonic entity over our new Congress. It means our country, in my opinion, is under the demonic cloud of deception even as well. And so now we, 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 we deal with this and we look at how the world is shaping up and God won't let Babylon go. He's going to judge her. And we got to figure out as the body of believers what that means even for the times we live in. And as you're going to see as we go into this, that it's very important in the last days that we learn to be Christians, the church. And, and I don't want to jump ahead, but there is a battle that's not ours. And then there's one that is. And our battle is for souls to be saved. As long as the Lord has us here, we're not going to fix the world according to Scripture. The world is on its way to hell in a handbasket. We're not going to make it better. It's not what we're called to do. It doesn't sound good, but Scripture is already written. I'm not going to change it. But with the little time I have, I want to win souls. I want to influence people for the name of Jesus Christ. That's what we're called to. So now as we dive into this thing in chapter 18, we get to see more of the commercial side of this world, this final global empire that's going to be judged. But I, I have to say that we're going to see hints of things in here that we can relate to today as we go in. So notice it begins in verse 1, after these things. 
which I love because it's the distinction in time. It separates one season from another. And so it's, it's, it's saying that after he saw these things, and what do we see in chapter 17? In chapter 17, we saw the picture of the final global government coming into form with the 10-region government, remember? Okay, and then we've, we saw that these 10 kings, this government system, begins to persecute the woman towards the end and destroy her because no longer is she necessary because all of the focus is on worshiping, if you will, the final beast or the, the world leader and the dragon. Y'all remember this from chapter 13, right? That's what he wants. He wants worship. And so it's very dangerous to get behind a person to the point, anybody, to the point that you can begin to forget God. We will only worship God. Amen? We know that. But Satan wants worship, and he'll receive it through the beast. He'll receive it through some spirit that he'll put in a man and the world will worship the man and Satan will receive his worship through that man, which is what he's been trying to do. And this is where, where everything is going. Now, with that being said, so after these things, metatalta is the word in the Greek, so it gives us our donate, uh, separation of times within the book of Revelation. After these things, notice he says, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. Now, because the earth was illuminated with his glory, uh, many, and he has great authority, many people have um, interpreted this as, well, this angel must be Jesus Christ himself. And we, we, we don't think that's the case because of the way the text reads and the way the flow of the book of Revelation goes. Notice it says another angel, which denotes another of the same kind that we just previously saw. So what have we been seeing? Well, we've been seeing the angels used to show John the things that are happening on the earth. They come down occasionally with messages like in chapter uh, 9 when the angel came down or chapter 10 and he put one foot on the sea and one foot on the land. And he cried out with a mighty voice. Y'all remember that dude? And then, you know, of course, the angels have blown the trumpets. They've poured out the bowls. And just in chapter 17, an angel came and showed John the, the judgment of the harlot the religious system of Babylon. Now another angel, we believe, is coming down with great authority. So we believe that this is an angel, not the Lord Jesus. He is being sent by the Lord Jesus to proclaim this great message. And that is what we see even, even throughout Scripture. So these angels are being sent by the Lord to carry out something. Notice it says that he has great authority. Do you see that? And that's an interesting word uh, in the Greek. That word is exousia. Um, it literally means he has the power, the freedom, the liberty, and the permission to carry out something on another's behalf. He has the power and the privilege of carrying out this message or delivering this message upon the earth. Um, and it's used uh, both in, in the scripture in different times, but it means that this angel is on task by the Lord Jesus, so he has the freedom to be able to deliver this message without Satan being able to hinder or stop him at all. Satan can do nothing at this point to stop this angel from delivering this message. We even see this word exousia being used in the scripture when the Lord Jesus gives authority, power, it's said in the New King James, like in Matthew chapter 10, to his 12 apostles to go out and preach the gospel and cast out demons. Y'all remember in the gospels when he sent them out, he gave them uh, power 
or authority, depending on the version you're reading, but it's exousia. They had the freedom to go out and to preach the gospel and cast out demons. And that was in the, uh, in the gospels we saw that. And so literally it speaks of when one is on, listen, on mission for the Lord according to his calling and what he's been sent to do, he has great authority and no one can hinder it. Now, I like this, and y'all got to bear with me for a moment because I want to I say some things. I think that this is something that we need to kind of pay attention to and apply. Now, if you come from word, faith, doctrine, or, or maybe even maybe hyper-charismatic groups, you might hear stuff like, you got to take authority, you know, and when they be praying, they're taking authority and binding the devil and stepping on his head and all this kind of stuff, and they get into all that, you know. <laughs> Anybody ever been, let's be honest, you know, the church, we got a lot, you know, we got a lot of backgrounds and stuff. We've all been there at times, and I think a lot of that is over the top and misunderstood. However, I do think that there are times when this does apply, because if you're on task for the Lord, if you're doing what he's called you to do and you're standing in your lane, there's a certain authority that you, you really can operate by, I do believe. Um, for instance, I do believe that until the Lord is done with us, we can't die. Until Jesus is done. That don't mean that I can say I'm going to live forever. No, of course not. 100% of us who are born will die unless you're living during the rapture. Okay? You, you agree with that? All right. However, until the Lord is done, that can't happen. That's why Saul throwing javelins at David meant nothing because God had already ordained David to be king. That's why Abraham was, had the knife to kill Isaac. The New Testament says Abraham assuming that God was going to raise him from the dead because God had already promised some things. Does that make sense? Okay, so I do think that when I think about it like that, I do believe that when I'm doing that which I call to do, stand out of sin, stand focused on the Lord and stand within my lane, that when I pray over my wife, over my home, over my children as a husband and a father, asking the Lord for favor. And what he already says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. I do believe, men, when we're operating as God has called us to operate, there's a bit of authority and favor that he's given us to be able to do those things. And I simply say, stay close to the Lord. Don't let the enemy lead you into sin. Ladies, same thing as you're operating where you're supposed to be. I think God works with us in that way. And I love that. Even I see an angel with great authority. He's coming down in the midst of all hell happening on earth and Satan and his kingdom can do nothing about it. I just wanted to mention that as we go through this. I do believe that's a wonderful thing for us to begin to fathom. And the church needs to learn that today. See, there is a call that the church has. There is a lane we are to run in, and it is that of representing the Lord Jesus Christ. And as this, in this highly charged political season that we're in, and we don't know where all things are going, but we need to remember who has employed us and what he's called us to do. And we need to make sure we're on that task and not getting off on something else. Okay, because I think the church can make a great impact when we stay focused on the things that God has called us to do. And, um, and that's, that's a very important thing. I'm going to make some comments on Thursday after we get past Wednesday. I'm waiting because I got some things I want to share after that. Now, notice he said he not only has great authority, but he, he, he noticed the earth is illuminated with his glory. And this is why many people like to say he's Jesus, but he's actually not. The earth is illuminated because at this point, well, the main reason is because he's come out of the presence of the Holy One himself. See, this angel has come from heaven, from God 
and therefore he's illuminated with this glory. We see this with angels throughout scripture. The angel who rolled away the stone so that they could see inside the tomb. The angels that were in the tomb when the ladies showed up. Even Moses, when he came off the mountain's face was glowing. Why? Because they come out of the presence of the Holy One. God is the father of lights and in him there is no darkness. He is light. And so when you're in his presence, you, you come out with a, a, a glory, if you will, in some sense. And that is why he's illuminated. The earth is dark and, and this angel comes from the very presence of God. And so he illuminates the whole earth. But this is just, in some sense, another angel. We can sometimes be too fascinated with angels. And the Bible did say that we should be careful to entertain strangers because some have entertained angels unawares. But he also said that Satan can transform himself to an angel of light. And so we, we are thankful for the angels who have been tasked as ministering spirits to minister on our behalf is what the scripture says. Amen. But the Bible also says that in the next life and in the kingdom, we shall judge the angels. We've been made in the image of God and we shouldn't be overly fascinated by angels. Again, Jesus is the only preeminent one and the one that we need to be focused on all the time. Now, verse two, as we continue, verse two says, and he cried, mightily to make sure I end on time here yeah he cried mightily with a loud voice saying Babylon the great is fallen is fallen and has become the dwelling place of demons and a prison for every foul spirit and a cage for every unclean and hated bird now he has this message and he cries it aloud in the world and we don't know if those who are human who are living on the earth hear this or is it just heard in the spirit realm we're not sure but he has this loud voice and he makes a declaration that Babylon is done notice he says it's fallen it's fallen he says it twice because it donates that it's it's surely about to or is even in the process of going down in other words now is the time for Babylon to fall. And this is what has been, been proclaimed throughout. Now, this ties us back to chapter 16, where I believe this is probably occurring. Remember chapter 17 and 18 are parenthetical. But you remember in chapter 16 when the seventh angel poured out his bowl upon the air? And I told you that he was judging Satan's kingdom because Satan is the prince of the power of the air. Do y'all remember that? Notice when he did that back in chapter 17, verse 17, verse uh, Chapter 16, excuse me, verse 17, he poured it out on the air. And notice it says, and a loud voice came out of the temple in heaven saying, uh, from the throne saying, it is done. And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings. And there was a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. And notice, and the great city was divided into three parts and the cities of the nations fell. And notice great Babylon was remembered before God. Uh, to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. And so we, it could be very well that this great earthquake is a part of the destruction of this Babylon, this commercial Babylon, and even the city Babylon that we're seeing in chapter 18. Because later in the chapter, we're going to find out that she's destroyed in a day. The city of Babylon is destroyed in a day. Now, well, I won't, I'll go into, I'll reserve for next week why I believe that there is maybe going to be a literal Babylon in the last days. Now, notice it says here that she is fallen, is fallen, verse 2. 
but has become the dwelling place, y'all see that? Of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, a cage, if you will, for every unclean and hated bird. Babylon has become a holding cell or a prison all of a sudden for everything that is wicked. It's very interesting because this word dwelling place, um, it, it means abode or habitation, but it's only used twice in all of the New Testament Greek manuscript. It's only used twice. It's used here, and the only other place it's used is in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 22. And for context, I'm going to read you 21 and 22. It says, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into uh, a holy temple in the Lord. He's speaking of the church. The church is the building which is being put together. We are living stones. You all understand that, right? So verse 22 on the screen says, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of, the, of God in the spirit. In other words, the church is being built into a habitation for the spirit of God himself. In fact, you are, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? We know that. So each of us individually is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Y'all have to help me today. Are y'all listening? Okay. And the church collectively is so as well. So it's very interesting. There's a contrast here. The church is the place in which God dwells, a building being put together. The contrast to Babylon, which is going to be a prison for the habitation of everything that is evil. You notice it says here has become a dwelling place of demons. Now, there's an issue with this Babylon thing. And it keeps coming up in the book of Revelation. You see, there's a weird stuff going on in what, the area that we know, southern Iraq, where Babylon existed, the plain of Shinar. For one, it's the place where God had some bad stuff, some bad dude angels chained up, which he released many chapters ago. Y'all remember that? And... They were chained up out by the river Euphrates, which is basically Babylon. We know that the bottomless pit was open. We don't know where that exists on the earth. And we know that all the demons are headed for the lake of fire. And we don't know exactly where that is either. In fact, it's in the Gospels when Jesus would encounter the demons, they would say, we know who you are, son of the most high. Have you come to torment us before the time? Why? They know that at some point Jesus is going to throw their butt into the lake of fire to be tormented for all eternity. Now, I don't know. I'm just simply saying because a lot of, lot of preachers, they just glaze over this verse because it's hard to put our finger on it and we can't know for sure. But I don't want to glaze over it. I just want to think for a moment it's possible that out by this place where all of these abominable acts, this false religious system and this commercial system which God is wanting to destroy is coming about, he may be judging all of it out where it was originally created. That's a possibility. It's become a cage, a prison for everything evil, every demon, every foul spirit, and every unclean and hated bird could be encaged out by or by the river Euphrates or in Babylon. That's something for us to consider. You can draw your own conclusion to that. Verse 3, y'all with me? Yes. Okay, verse 3 says, for all the nations. Now, here's where we need to begin to see this thing, this commercial system come about. He speaks of three groups in verse 3. He says, for all the nations, that means uh, humanity basically, have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Then he says, the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. So everybody's been impacted 
by this woman and her commercial system, this Babylonian commercial system, this system that has come about and uh, in the earth, believe going all the way back through the ages. And it speaks constantly here of fornication. You see that this harlot and her fornication. Now, y'all remember your B.C. days when you went to the bar in a nightclub and you would meet someone um, there, there's, there's no godly love wrapped up in what was happening. Fornication is simply a self-indulgence, a selfish act to please only self. That's basically what it boils down to. I don't care what anybody says. It's sin. It has no love of God in it. Y'all agree? Okay. And so that's used to paint a picture here. So this woman has engaged in fornication, which has impacted all of the nations. All of the nations have drunk of the wine of her fornication. The wine of her fornication, remember we talked about that, the, the byproduct of the thing that's being done. In other words, we, that's where we talked about the pot liquor, y'all remember? So all of the nations have been, if you will, enticed and, and intoxicated and overindulged in the byproduct of the fornication that this woman has committed. Well, what does the fornication look like? Well, it says here that the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. So the kings of the earth, listen, the, the kings and the prime ministers and the presidents and the, and the people who are in charge in the various lands have compromised in their involvement with this system, not thinking about or caring about those in whom they're supposed to be leading for their own selfish gain, they've committed fornication within this global economic system and caused the people who they lead to be fully intoxicated with it. And we got to begin to think about, well, what on earth is happening? What does this look like? And I have to tell you that this commercial system has for far too long enslaved many. And you're like, Pastor Kevin, could it be? Well, yeah, but look at it right now. Kings and those who rule, there's evidence of corruption, even in our own country, of things that people have done which have harmed many people. And so what we're going to get into next week is the fact that verse 13 says that part of the merchandise is the souls of men. This commercial system has enslaved people and it has destroyed lives. See, we'll get into it more next week. I don't want to spend too much time on it. But slavery is uh, broader than we realize. Right now, girls are sold, and, and, and they, they become wives of, of men at 15 and 14 years of age, or they become nannies, or they become whatever, and, and they are sold. And because they end up in places where they have no legal rights, they have no passport, they have no papers, or if they have papers, the people who bring them over keep the papers and cause them to work as slaves and they have no control. That's on a small scale. When we were, we were in um, uh, Nigeria, many people, they, they, all they do anything to get to America, anything to get to UK. Uh, many of them wanted to go to Dubai because they were being told if you come to Dubai, you can make a lot of money. Not knowing that once you got to Dubai, you were a slave. You had no rights. You had to work to pay back the person who brought you, and he keeps your passport and your papers so you can't leave. And so they have slavery, and they build cities on the backs of slaves. Um, and, and, and look, it affects all of us because many of us have benefited not knowing in how we live on the backs of slaves in other countries that are slaves to produce what we have. And because we're Americans, we don't realize we're trying to compare ourselves amongst ourselves and striving for more and don't even realize that 88% of Americans live in what would be considered a lifestyle that is wealthy compared to all 
of the rest of the world. I'm not saying America is Babylon. I'm simply saying that this commercial system that is Babylon can quickly begin to consume people and people can become drunk, if you will, with it. So focused on this material commercial system that they don't even realize. And this is what Isaiah was judging Judah for when he says that no one has stood up to do what was right, to plead for the widow and the orphan. So much corruption. Everybody's giving over to it. Everybody's doing well, and nobody is even seeing what's going on. And this system is a system that's destroying people. And see, the thing is, God hates this system and is planning to destroy it. And he's painting a picture, even for us here, of what it is. And so the nations were drunk with the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings have committed fornication with her. And the merchants, that means all of the businesses... All of those who trade, who buy, who sell, who import, who export, they ha- the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. And we'll talk about that next week. But even some of that are the souls of people who are being abused. Verse 4, and then we can bring it home in verse 4. This commercial system. In verse 4 it says, and I heard another voice from heaven saying, and this is the sad part, and this is how we can begin to see ourselves in this because it says I heard another voice from heaven so the angel proclaimed that Babylon is being destroyed but a voice from heaven says this come out of her my people lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plagues come out of her my people now granted this is during the tribulation we believe the church has been raptured as a whole and then those who have become saved and those who are part of Israel who's fled and those who are in the world at that time who belong to the Lord will hear this voice saying, come out of her lest you share in her sins. It's hard to fathom that those who belong to God have somehow been caught up in this system. And now God is calling them out of this system. But yes, it can happen. And we think about how even we live and how we are in, in some ways a slave to the system. And I've been talking about that, how uh, even consumer debt and, and the pursuit of things and all of these things can get us so focused on this system that we miss it. So he says, come out. And this is the thing that he's been saying throughout Scripture. In Isaiah, as we go through it on Wednesday night, Isaiah 48:20, God says, go forth from Babylon, flee from the Chaldeans with a voice of sing and declare, proclaim this, utter it to the ends of the earth, say, The Lord has redeemed his servant Jacob. And you remember God was telling them when it's time for you to go out, go out with singing and joy. And the reality is, listen, the reality is when God redeemed them, 50,000 left Babylon to go back to Jerusalem. Millions stayed in Babylon. It's hard for us to begin to fathom. What do you mean millions stayed in Babylon? Yeah, well, why would the millions stay? Well, they just bought a house. They're working on their new patio. You know, um, installing new granite countertops, getting ready to buy a boat. Um, Children, you know, in the university there, uh, life was good. Why leave the good life we have to go back to Jerusalem? Isaiah 52, 11, depart, depart, go out of there, touch no unclean thing, go out from the midst of her, be clean, you who bear the vessel of the Lord. Jeremiah 50, verse 8, 
move from the midst of Babylon. Go out of the land of the Chaldeans and be like the rams before the flocks. Jeremiah 51, 6. Flee from the midst of Babylon and everyone save his life. Do not be cut off in her iniquity. For this is the time of the Lord's vengeance. He shall recompense her. The prophets speaking of their time and seeing ahead as well. And you might say, well, Pastor Kevin, that's Old Testament. Um, what's that have to do with the Christian church today? Well, the church is told to be distinct and separate from Babylon. In what way? Well, 2 Corinthians, Paul said in chapter 6, verses 14 through 18, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communication has light with darkness and what accord has Christ with Baal? And, and then he says, or what part has the believer with the unbeliever and what, uh, and what agreement has a temple of God? Well, we are the temple of God with idols, sin and false worship for You are the temple of the living God, and God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God. They will be my people. Therefore, verse 17, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord, to the church. Do not touch the unclean thing, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and my daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. There is something that we are called to come out from the midst of as the people of God even the Christian church in the time that we live in, to be separate. There is a difference that's supposed to be between the church, the salt of the earth and the light of the world, and the world as a whole. And this is what we must begin to understand as we see things unfold in the time that we live in. Many of them wouldn't go back to Jerusalem from Babylon because life was good. And see, here's the thing I see that's scary amongst the church now. Many in the church just want things to go back to normal because life was good. We're Americans. We live better than the whole world. Cost of living, our, our, our quality of life. And people just wanted to go back. And you're sick of Pastor Kevin talking about, you know, get to another book, you know. I mean, we want to get back to good times. And I, I hate to tell you, I'm not sure that we will see normal times again. I don't really know, I mean, but I'm, I'm not sure that we will. But what I'm trying to tell you is scripture has already told us where everything is headed. I love America too. But America, I ain't finding it in none of this end time stuff. And I don't, I don't look, I don't, I don't know if saving it is my call. Saving people who are in it is my call. And that's what my concern is. So as we go forward, We need to understand that and have a biblical view of it so you're not getting caught up in the wrong things. We're also told not to love Babylon. 1 John 2, 15 through 17, and I'm speaking of this Babylonian system that we're seeing here. He says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's something you got to wrestle with. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, Christian, and the lust of it, the desires of it, the things that we can pursue. But he who does the will of God abides how how long? Forever. So I think the, the scriptures are clear. This is passing off the scene. And because it is passing off the scene, you got to get your your biblical view right. You got to understand where things are headed. I think the church has, we've, we've allowed so much to happen because we've been distracted with Babylon. We live in good in Babylon. You know, with these pastors, be quiet. This is good living. 
until all of a sudden it's not. And so you need to be loving the one who's eternal and focused on him as we help each other through the, the times and the events of the world that we live in. God is going to judge Babylon and bring her down, but he's called us to be the church. Let's focus on being the church. There's only one banner we fly, and it's in one flag is Jesus Christ. No other allegiance, no political allegiance. You're not going to save it. We're not going to make it better. We're not going to fix it up. I wish that was the case, but that's not what we're called to do. And so we need to understand that, you know, and, 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 and promote Christ and preach Christ and, and love one another in Christ. All right, because that's where we find life. That's where eternity comes in. And therefore, if we have that understanding, it's not that, you know, please understand me, because I think sometimes it's hard if you're not spending time in the word, you may only see one side of what I'm saying and, and maybe even get offended to sometimes with the things that I say. And, you know, I'm not trying to offend, understand. It's just there's no way if I preach the Bible for me not to offend at some point. I offend myself. It's, it's rough trying to prepare, honestly, because the Holy Spirit convicts, the Word convicts. So then, we, uh, we have to focus biblically. We have to focus on the Lord, okay? We are even called to pray. Scripture says pray. Um, for whoever even goes in office and we don't even know what's headed but I know there's an inauguration on Wednesday and we should be praying there's power in prayer I found I found that out you know um, <laughs> because we God can do a lot of things even in dark times and see if again I, and I said this all of 2020 2020 exposed a lot of people's hearts if you will so if you if you get into the word then you're not as moved by the things you see, okay? Because your perspective is right. If you only are in media, then you're tossed to and fro because, you know, media, it's so much deception. You can't even find truth. You go looking for it. You're not even sure when you see it what it is anymore, <laughs> except for what you're holding in your hand. That's, 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 this is real. This is truth. When Pilate asked Jesus what is truth, it was because he was looking at it. Jesus didn't have to say that. You're looking at truth. That's what Jesus could have said. So, um, yeah, I don't know what's coming, y'all, but I know we're going to be uh, blessed because who we belong to for all eternity. And we don't have to worry. So, Father, we do thank you today for allowing us to be here. I pray that you would redeem the time. Be with us as we leave this place and throughout this week until we meet together again in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing.